Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who will be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. Tonight's speakeasy chat is being brought to you by Squeaky Cheese Productions on the Cutting Wedge. You can find them on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. Tonight, for the fourth time, I've got two guests with me here in the speakeasy. I had an interaction with someone recently who was going to be doing their first dual narration, and I started thinking it might be really helpful to have a chat with some pros who are well-versed in what has become sort of the standard form for romances when the point of view shifts back and forth between the main characters. So Aaron Mallon and Zachary Weber, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Hello, thanks for having us. Hey there, thanks Rich. My pleasure. I'm glad you could both make it. I know that you've done quite a few books together, so we will uh, we will get into that later. But of course, since this is a speakeasy, we'll start it out by finding out, Erin, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking an Australian Cabernet called 19 Crimes. Oh, I've had that one. It's good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I love it because of, of the label. Who's on that? Well, I um, think that's why I, I like an old timey looking dude who kind of looks like he did something wrong. It, it is, but I think it's I think it's an actual. Um, oh, stop! Should I know who that is? I I think it is. I think it is a, a gangster, but I I'm having a I'm just blanking, uh, and I could be wrong. Oh, you know those. You know those Aussie gangsters and their Cabernets. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe it is just a random <clears throat> picture, but I could have sworn that that was somebody like I don't know Al Capone or or um, you that know could be. Um, Clyde. I I don't remember. Anyway, that, that was that was a good wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Zach? What are you having to drink tonight? Um, I'm my most boring self. I'm just having a coconut water. <laughs> a coconut water. <laughs> coconut <laughs> water. That's great. Vita cocoa nutrient rich plus electrolytes, uh, never from concentrate. So, there you go. That's what I <laughs> so do you, you usually when I'm fun, I'm usually having a, a mezcal. Oh, no I'm kidding, sure. mezcal. That's that's unusual. I'm not sure that anybody has had mezcal in the uh, speakeasy. Well, dang it, <laughs> I, I have some on hand, I'll have to do that at some point. Uh, which, yeah. which, which mezcal do you normally go for? Uh, whatever they got. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm usually like, just give me the give me the mezcal. If I go to a mezcal bar and they do like a flight, then I'll be like, yeah, yeah, give yeah, me that. yeah. I always do that too. I want to try as many as possible at one time. Yeah, well, that's I'm cool. not a connoisseur though. I don't know what I'm drinking. <laughs> Smoky tequila—that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you drinking, Rich? All right. Well, tonight I am having an old, old classic. Kind of, I think, why the term soft drink was invented. I'm having a scotch and soda. Oh, nice. Not hey. something not nice. something that I have very often, but uh, the well scotch here in the speakeasy is uh, Johnny mm. Walker Red, and that's a pretty darn good pretty darn good scotch. So I thought, you know what? I need a little more little more liquid tonight, so I think I'm going to just add some soda to it. So scotch and soda, Cabernet from Australia, and coconut water. Cheers, guys. Cheers. What a- a classic combination. <laughs> I'm not sure that they had coconut water in any speakeasies back during Prohibition, but uh, we'll we'll, nope. we'll pretend they did. It's delish. I love it. And so LA. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of LA, it's so, usually something I oh? so so Zach is that uh, is that where you're at these days? LA. Yeah, uh, these many days I've been here for 
And I guess in March it'll be eight years, so like seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a while. I know that you were uh, you posted something. I don't remember where it was recently about being uh, being across the pond for a little time off. Yes, I went to London for the first time, and I attended a romance book convention called Rare, which is like a multi-city thing. I think there's one in Rome right now. Uh, but they, yeah, so there was a narrator's table, I think, for the first time ever at Rare. Nice. East Rare London. So I went to that. That was my first uh, convention, uh, romance convention I've ever attended. So it's that's, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's very cool. Did you have a good time? Did you meet fans? It did, yeah, and it was a nice, steady stream, and, and everyone was really, really sweet, and and I think that's the great thing about romance fans is they're all just like, just tender-hearted sweeties, and they're yeah. so happy to see you, and it's it's really, really nice. Yeah, no, I agree. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about the fact that, you know, four or five years ago, before I knew anything about romance audiobooks, I probably I don't remember any specific thoughts, but I probably thought something along the lines of romance eh. <laughs> and uh, and boy, boy was i dead wrong i am i'm so impressed with romance narrators and with romance fans yeah. and with a lot of romance writers who write really good love stories yeah yeah, yeah there's it's so kind of much own, stuff out there yeah Go it's ahead, like Beck. its own industry yeah yeah definitely very cool well so you're in la you've been there for quite a while now uh, is that where you grew up oh no you said you've only no. been there for seven or eight years so yeah, I, I grew up in Texas, um, and then I went to college in New York, and then I yeah moved out here about a year after I graduated college. Where'd you go to school? NYU. Wow, so you've been uh, you've been all over this country, in the middle, on both ends. I've been, yeah, yeah, I've done the the big trifecta: Fort Worth, New York, and LA. Um, but yeah, no, I I, uh, I, I escaped uh, Texas fortunately. And I've just, yeah, New York wasn't really doing it for me because it was very tough for me to live there when I was, you know, 22. So mm-hmm. LA has been a, a bit easier. So that's where I've been out here. Cool. And when did you get into acting? Was it while you were in college before that or uh, after you got out? No, I, um, I started doing plays in high school when I was, I guess, a sophomore. And then, um, and then I went to NYU for acting. So I went to, I went to Tisch, uh, and studied experimental theater, and Shakespeare, the classical studio. So I was, you know, started relatively young. It's, when I think about it, it's kind of weird because, like, all my peers in high school have been acting since, in, like, local theaters since we were, like, five. Mm-hmm. So I felt strangely late to the game. But, I, but yeah, I, but I've been, been acting for a while. Yeah. Well, I, I can totally understand that that would feel a bit strange. Um, I think that I acted in my first play when I was around oh, 36, 39, something like that. So, uh, so you're, you're a little bit before me when it comes to uh, timeline, but, uh, but That's yeah, I, really I, cool. yeah, I know a lot of people who, uh, who, you know, they grew up since they were five or six years old knowing I'm going to be an actor. So, uh, so that's cool. When did you get into, uh, to audio? Um, I guess pretty soon after I moved out to LA, uh, my mom's an author and she had, she, you know, a bunch of author friends and they're, they're all romance authors actually. Um, and one of her friends, like she'd seen my headshot and I was like 23 and a sprightly youth. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, he could play a character in, in, uh, you know, the film version of my book. And then she, uh, I guess a couple months later, uh, asked me to make a trailer for one of her books. This is Colleen Hoover, who's a pretty big author. 
Um, and I did, and I asked her for like an exorbitant amount of money to make it <laughs> because my friend who was like a producer and, you know, director was like, we need this much. And I told her that and she was like, that's insane. And then we made it and then it made her mom cry. Um, so she loved it so much. And then I, I did voiceover on it. So that sort of tripped up me up into doing audiobooks because she wanted me to do her books after that. Soon as, as soon as you make somebody's mom cry, they're willing to pay whatever it takes. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's how you work. That's how you work in the industry. That's what I tell all kids. Yeah. Well, so, so Aaron, we're, uh, you're, you are on the opposite coast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm in the New York area. I was in Brooklyn for a bunch of years, but now I actually bought a house in the Jers. I'm oh, in Jersey. Nice. Jersey girl. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, audiobook helped me buy a house. So, oh, <laughs> excellent. That's always a good thing to hear. Yeah. Uh, I know at least one other person, maybe two, where uh, they can also say the same thing. Um, so, did you grow up in that area? Uh, sort of. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Eh, not too so, far. Yeah, it's about like an hour and a half from where I am now. Yeah. So you're pretty yeah. comfortable with the East Coast there. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much a, where I've lived. And I went to school on Long Island, which is about like 40 minutes from the city. So mm-hmm. that was great because I could bounce back and forth while I was training and see lots of shows. And yeah. That's great. So while you were training, you're talking about uh, acting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. New York is is one of the two biggest places to be for, for that stuff, Zachary being in the other. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. So when did you get into audiobooks then? Uh, I did my first book in 2010, but then it took me a little while to get things cooking. Um, I sort of got an audition at Audible through a friend um, and did one book, a young adult book. And I think it went it went okay, but kind of, I just, I didn't know the hustle and I didn't know the people yet. And mm-hmm. so things really picked up like about two, three years after that. Um yeah, and then romance really started picking up. I really thought young adult was going to be my thing. But then my second book was an erotica book. Um, so my pseudonym was born. And then <laughs> and then just lots and lots of romance. And I'll be honest, like, it's it's my favorite thing to narrate. So uh, it's working out. It's fun. That's great. So you have a pseudonym. Do you, um, I was assuming that Aaron Mallon was not a pseudonym, but now that I think, now that I think about it, uh, that could very easily be a pseudonym. But so, so that's not, but you do have a pseudonym. Do you out your yeah. pseudonym or do you keep them completely separate? I, uh, people know my pseudonym. It's Muffy Newtown. And oh, she, I've seen that. You must have posted yeah. about that at some point. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like on my Facebook page, it, it says at Aaron Muffy narration. So I'm really open about it, it. Um, okay. because for me, it's it's almost become a bit of a moot point because um, there's lots of sex and everything that I narrate. But um, Muffy does the books that are darker and where the sex is really um, like the focus, mm-hmm. um, which I'm doing less of these days. Um, yeah, it just seems so. like the um, the genre has the two genres, erotica and romance, the line seems to be way blurrier than it was five years ago. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it seems like a lot of the modern romance has a lot of, a lot of the steamy sex in it now. Um, so, so it sounds like you guys both started narrating romance at uh, roughly the same time. I guess sort of. kind so. of, yeah. yeah. Six, seven years or ago, something like that. 12, three, yeah. Just yeah. about. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, when did you start narrating together? Um, I was just, you know, I was you just looking up. Do you remember the first one? Do you remember the first one? I don't, I don't remember what we did first together. I 
don't remember what the exact first one was, but I was just looking up between both of our pseudonyms and stuff. Um, it looks like we've uh-huh. done 20 together. Um, wow. Quite a yeah. few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. That's so, a lot. I, I think Aaron and I are probably... I, I, I think you're one of my most frequent collaborators. I And like yeah. the weird thing is like not knowing that for a long time. Because yeah. like when you don't know who's, who's pseudonym is who, and like I didn't even know to use a pseudonym at first. So I like just was myself. So I didn't know if someone's name was their name. Obviously, Muffy isn't someone's name. But. Right. <laughs> yeah, I went cheeky with that. If I did it over again, I'd go less cheeky, but it's it's worked out okay. Yeah. Well, do what I do and just <clears throat> make another pseudonym. Just keep it going. I got two of them. So, so it sounds like you don't out your pseudonyms. They're completely separate. I don't, but at the same time, a lot of people do know. So, like, those that know, or they just, they know because they know my voice. So, like, I'm not, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't go around saying it, but it's okay that they know. Yeah, you know? no, I, I understand. That's that's fine. I just, um, I, I was struck when um, uh, uh, James Cronin mentioned at a workshop that I was at how important it was. And I, when I heard that at the workshop a couple of years ago, I, I didn't really know much about pseudonyms. And the more mm-hmm. I thought about it and the more I talked to people, the more I realized... That is really important. You do not out somebody's pseudonym unless you know that they're okay with that. So, yeah. right. So that's why I'm always really careful when I ask about it. I, you know, a lot of different people listen to this, and I want to make sure that uh, nobody's doing something that uh, could come back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's cool. So, um, so you've been doing. Ro- so, when did you say the first <laughs> one was that you that you worked on? Not the not the title, but uh, but you've done about twenty in how long? Probably no, over when, the course of five years, I would think. No, yeah, it must have four been five years. So quite yeah. a while. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and we just met actually, me and Aaron. <laughs> we, we just met this year because we both uh, did a Q and A at a book con for Audible. Oh, that's great! So, so yeah. you have been collaborating for years, and you've done <laughs> twenty books together, and you had never met in person. Right. Yep. So that's that's good to know. Um, I think that sometimes. Some people might feel, uh, I think less so these days than five or 10 years ago, but uh, because it's fairly common now that everything gets done online. But uh, I think that that people would like to, you know, know or meet, uh, at least briefly, the person that they're working with, whether it's for a romance or in any other way. I I find it a little sad sometimes that everything is so global now that um, I've, I've worked for somebody for geez, four or five years now, I've done about 12 books for the publishing company and I've never spoken with anybody there. Yeah. It's, it's always been through wow. email. And I, I think that's um, a little sad. It's just kind of the way things are today. But uh, but that's great that you did get a chance to meet this year. Was it at APAC? Oh, no, you said it was a, a convention. Yeah, it was at the well, Javits was, Center. For, yeah, uh, and it was at the company. same time as APAC, I believe. Oh, it was uh, book, book Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Expo, yeah. Yeah, all right. And did you go to APAC? I, d- I had to miss it this year. I had a theater conference I had to be at. Um, uh, but I'm there every year. I can be there. But I missed it. Yeah. I went to some <laughs> parties with uh, some fellow narrators, but I, I didn't like get a ticket to the actual thing. So yeah. I just went and hung out. Have you been to an APAC before, Zach? Mm-mm, no. That was my first time ever attending any audiobook social event whatsoever, ever, was March. <laughs> wow, wow. You've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, and just hiding in the shadows. <laughs> <Not really> cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so what do you guys record? Do you have uh, home studios? Do you go into studios? Do you go into publishers? 
I do a combination. I, I'm in my booth right now. I, I work mostly from home, but I'm also um, 20 minutes from Audible. So if I have a longer book, I'll go into Audible Studios and work there. Um, and then I'm like 30 minutes on the train to the city. So sometimes I work in studios there. Um, it really depends. But um, it's really nice to have a home studio. And I, I have kids so I can work while they're asleep. And it works out pretty well. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Well, first I got to ask Aaron, when do you sleep if you if you work <laughs> Right? Well, you want to know something interesting? I don't know if I should tell yep. people this. Um, this past month, I've been really seriously enjoying working from four to seven in the morning. Um, oh my because God. I know, I know, I it sounds like I'm mar- I'm being a martyr or something, but it's actually awesome. <laughs> I love the mornings. Everyone's asleep and quiet. I can work, and then I feel accomplished when everyone wakes up. Then I send them off to preschool, and then I work again, and it's just I'm much more productive. So um, I don't want to do that every day, but like three or four days a week, that's what I do. That's really cool well, that that works for you. Um, I yeah. think that if I were to try to narrate at uh, four in the morning, my voice would be below the normal human's audible range. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you do have to warm up a little yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. But that's very cool if that works for you. And I know that, you know, so many narrators do have kids. I don't, but so many do. And it's always something you got to work around. Well, at nighttime, I my brain is shot. My focus, like some some people, if they're under a deadline, they can they can get in the booth at nine and work till one or something. And I cannot. My focus is gone. Yeah. So mornings are where it's at for me. Cool. How about you, Zach? So i I don't have uh, I don't have a booth in my home because I don't have a home. <laughs> I mean, I have, I mean, I have an apartment, but it's just really, it's a small apartment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I record it like, I mean, basically at this point, every studio in LA, um, and when I'm, if I'm never in New York, I just, you know, I'll go to audible or go to another studio, but I, you know, I make it like sort of like a day job cause I have to, I, I don't think I could even work in my own house because I just, I, I don't know. Mm. I get, too sedated if I'm if I'm like in the same place where I sleep. Yeah. So mm. having like a having like a job and like a drive in the morning really, you know, it's sort of it's uh, it's better for me. Totally, well, and also totally having engineers is helpful to me when you're not working alone and someone else is on the clock. You're just more productive. Um, oh yeah, and I've never ever learned Pro Tools, so that's the other thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I totally understand that. Working from home, working in your home is, um, it's a two-edged sword. And I I love it. And then there are times when I think, you know, if I had somebody saying, well, you need to be at the studio at such and such a time and we're going to do a three-hour session, um, it would be way easier for me to focus during that time. So I I get it. If that uh, that works out well for you, that's good. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, so really what the, the big thing that I'm, I'm interested in is how you guys prepare for a dual narration. Um, what's, what's the process? Well, you know, it, it really depends. Some, some of us have worked together a bunch, um, and you sort of have a, a shorthand with each other, but I know if it's, if I'm working with a male narrator that I've never worked with before, I'm, I'm kind of on top of it in a different way. Um, so I'll read the book take notes about everyone's voices, um, 
do a character sample of the the main female's voice that I'll be doing most of and send it to him so he knows the basic sound that I'm going to be in and basic range um, and then ask him to send me the same for his character um, and then just touch base on any questions that we have, any pronunciations. Um, one of the worst things that can happen is you're because you're recording separately, you, you each like say the same name in a completely different way for the entire book mm -hmm. because you made an assumption. Like I heard the story the other day, the, the name was Z-O-E. And I think most of us think Zoe. Mm -hmm. um, and so the narrators didn't even consider it could be anything else. And the author said, oh, it's Zoe. And they're like, what? <laughs> they had about a, a million, oh, you know, a hundred, whatever, um, corrections that they had to do was, so it, I was, doing was a, it a main character uh i believe so yeah you um and so the other day i was doing a, for that yeah and i was doing a book with joe arden the other day and there was a zoe in it and i said you know this is kind of a lame question but it is zoe right and he's like <laughs> yes zoe why are you so, asking <laughs> i was like because i don't want to go through that let me tell you <laughs> um yeah but that, um that's always a funny thing like it when because sometimes it's like, man, does that even fall in the hands of the narrators? It's like, that's the thing. I, I feel like that's happened to us before. And yeah. it was like, what are we supposed to do? But like, I'm the, Aaron and I are doing a book together right now. And uh, I was, she's, she'd already done it. And I didn't know that. And I was just like, hey, did you do anything special? She was like, nope. <laughs> because we've worked together enough. We know, I know to just like kind of do my Aaron impression. <laughs> that's sort of what I do too I'm like okay what guy am I working with what's kind of his vibe his style what's his range and then try to play the character that's in the text which is going to be different than Zach but think of him as I'm doing it sure. um, yeah, and in this case the character is a huge asshole so, <laughs> so just like you <laughs> just like me nah no, I, I imagine uh, that once you've worked with somebody, you know, a half a dozen, a dozen times, there are a lot of things that just sort of fall into place the next time you get together. Well, it's right. funny. A lot of, I, I actually don't read reviews. I, I'll read audio file reviews, but I won't read Audible because it can be the seventh ring of hell. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which ring? I don't know how many rings there are, but it can be tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and, but... I have seen some stuff that if people tag me in something, I think, oh, well, this can't be too bad if they tagged me. So I'll read it. Um, and people talk about, like, chemistry. Oh, these two narrators have such great chemistry. And it, I think that's so lovely. But, like, we're not working in the same room together. Right. So it's interesting that they call that chemistry. But I guess people's styles bounce off each other in interesting ways or um, in a way that really suits the book. Maybe that's what they're responding to. I mean, it's very mm. progressive and very forward-thinking, you know, to think someone is has chemistry uh, without knowing whether or not they actually have chemistry. <laughs> yeah, like, uh-huh. You know, yeah, but I guess they is. buy the character's chemistry, so it must have something to do with the right. narrators. Yeah. Yeah, to, to me, yeah. that sounds like it's, it's mostly about the acting um, enhanced by the fact that you have worked together even if you haven't been in the same space, you've worked together several times, and so you've heard what the other person was doing and how things fit together. So I think that's a great compliment. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. So, um, so you've both worked with quite a few different narrators of the opposite gender, or even the same gender, but a different person in a changing point of view mm. kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. So... So have you ever had any experiences that were 
less than ideal. And, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for names. I'm not looking to, uh, to out anybody for being difficult to work with. But I'm thinking more along the lines of, uh, you know, just a way to warn other narrators. Uh, if you're going to be undertaking a dual narration, uh, this is something you might want to look out for. Make sure that the person does this or doesn't do that or make sure that you communicate like this. Or uh, what, what other experiences have you had? Clearly, you guys have had good experiences together. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but have there been I, have I'm, there been any along the way that have been more problematic? Listen, Rich, I'm ready to name names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. She, she is evil. It's a sad Um I don't think I've ever had a bad experience with another narrator. It's kind of, I mean, again, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> as if you're not like in space with that person and it's just emails and you're just like sort of mm-hmm. doing the job on your own time. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've pretty much all all female narrators I've worked with have, have been very pleasant people who I'm now becoming friends with, finally. No, oh, that's great. Um, and and have there been a lot? So how many partners have you had, Zach? Oh my, what a <laughs> personal <laughs> question. Hey, hey, what kind of question is that? Um, uh, I, um, I have no idea. Hard to say. Um, dozens and uh, dozens. In, <clears throat> in both ways that that questions to be answered i don't even know no, <laughs> um uh no, i don't know i mean however many i think however many like romance lady narrators there are I've probably worked with you know most of them quite a few yeah, yeah. i think well, that's a good. Lot. That's that's good that you haven't had any uh, any bad situations. I, I guess what I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, Erin talked about the fact that um, she puts together samples and then requests that you do the same. Uh, I'm I'm just thinking, has anybody ever requested anything that you've thought, really, I've got to spend like two hours doing this when really you don't need to do that much? Or have they said, well, I'm not going to put anything together for you or, you know, nothing like that? <laughs> Well, I don't I don't do that for every book. I I do that for the ones where I'm sort of trying to get to know the person that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um so it's at this point I it's it's rare that I'm working with someone new. Um like there's there's five or six guys that I tend to work with a lot. Um but I did run into something one time where it was someone I hadn't worked with before and it was it was a romance but it was a very youthful romance. They were all in high school. Um, and, uh, his voice just, it sat in a very, very deep place. Um, and it was interesting because the casting was strange. He's a, he was a phenomenal actor, but his voice, I, I was trying to match where his voice sat in a way, but it was also, I was trying to capture a 16 year old boy. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, it was tricky with that casting. Um, and like I said, I don't read reviews, so I don't actually know how that will turned out, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but we did our best. You know what? We... Now that I, now that I think of it, I think the hardest is, is similar to that. And where I've had, I hate to, this, this feels like a put down, but I'm, I'm I pretty, I pride myself on accents <laughs> and mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes other narrators and you're not one of them will just be like, Hey, I'm not even good at the accent. Just do whatever you think is right. I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to be consistent. Yeah. You know, like, so then I'm like, well, okay, if he's from Yorkshire, then he's got to sound quite a bit different than, you know, someone doing a basic London, England accent. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I'm, I, I guess I wouldn't even say that I'm frustrated, but I'm just kind of like, well, I guess this is how it's got to be. <laughs> I just don't want to like, I don't want to feel like I'm like showing someone up or like, 
right. know, differentiating the, the plot or, you know, the, the, the essence of the character. Yeah. But you also don't want to do less than what the book is asking for. Um, right. 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 You want to be true to the, the author and, and the story that they've created. Well, I think in those yeah. cases, that's when um, ideally, it, depend, it depends on if you're working for a publisher or you're working independently with an author. Um, like if you're doing a book with Audible, they give you the address, the email address of the author. And they say, if you have this, you're required to reach out to them. So someone on the team reaches out and CCs the other person, that's where I think you get the author involved and ask what they want. Um, and if the other narrator isn't confident doing that accent, maybe there needs to be a recast. Mm -hmm. um, but that's certainly not up to us to decide. We just got to do our work, but it's tricky. Sometimes you need somebody yeah. else to step in. But yeah. also sometimes like the audience does, like if you really think <laughs> about the audience, they kind of just romance fans just want to hear you and they aren't think they aren't, they aren't really dedicated mm -hmm. so much to like the reality of the thing because it's such a, a fantasy genre. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I think they kind of like, they kind of like, um, let that predisposition go. And so it's usually, it's usually okay. I, I've never really encountered a problem. And usually it's just like, Oh my God, Zachary Weber doing a British accent and it's fine. And they, they like, <laughs> it, especially if they're American and they don't care otherwise. Right. So, you know, yeah. it's inter it's interesting. I think I agree with you. I also wonder if that's more of a male narrator in romance thing because, uh, oh, yeah. you know, because <laughs> the majority of the listeners are female. Um, there are a couple guys that reach out on a constant basis that are really? lovely. Yeah, not not weird at all. Like lovely people that are that really love stories about people falling in love. And um, so there are some guys out there, but the majority are female and they really, really love hearing these guys' voices. <laughs> they they love the female narrators too, but just in a different way. So, well, you sometimes... have to remember, Aaron, this thing that I didn't know about you until earlier when we did that Q&A, that the ladies in particular love your male, <laughs> your male protagonist voice. Like when you... <laughs> They well, see, they like true. male voices. They really want their sexy <laughs> men. <laughs> so I'm just you trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, but I mean, that, that's good ahead. to hear, Aaron. So, so people really like your male voices. I know that that's a that's a big deal. That's uh, a lot of people have difficulty with that. Um, yeah. And what I have always found is that for my for myself anyway is that less is more. And the yeah. less I actually try to sound like a woman because nobody is going to mistake me for a, a female voice, mm -hmm. the, the less I try <laughs> to do that and just sort of give an indication, the better it seems to work. Um, but that's, that's great that that's something that you, that people notice about your characterizations. Yeah, it is nice. I think it's, it's always for you with your deep voice and me with my sort of medium voice, it's always about coming from the character's perspective and playing the honesty of the moment. Always. That said, I think you can, you can get to know yourself and get to know your voice and what it's capable of in a comfortable way. And if you can pitch in interesting ways that are honest, like that's gotta be the, that's gotta be the thing. If you can do that comfortably and it's believable, why not have fun if people are responding to it? But I think it's when you when you can hear someone pushing and trying, you're out of the story. So it's it's a moot point. Right. It's it's clear. You gotta that, find where it fits. Yeah, it's clear that somebody's trying to sound like a voice instead of sound like a person. Yeah. You yeah. can't get lost in the story. So and I think that's what I think that's our job is to help them get lost in it. Yeah. 
Well, that's cool. And so, Zach, how do you feel about uh, whether you've heard anything from anybody or whether just you internally, how do you feel about your um, female characterizations? I love doing female voices. I, 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 uh, I think I'm pretty in touch with my own feminist as a human being. Mm-hmm. And what you guys are saying, it's like, you know, it's an indication. I'm not like forcing, forcing a sound. I'm, I'm like just being that person. How would they, you know, how would they feel? Um, and also like, you know, the text indicates a lot, mm-hmm. you know, it's like maybe you, you just, it's just an air of higher register, but really it's more about how that person feels. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just a matter of, you know, I mean, that's one of the mm-hmm. great sources of, uh, the great tenets of acting is like having empathy. Um, and not that I could ever truly understand what it is to be a woman, but you know, being sensitive to the idea that I, that I even could, uh, that I even am allowed to do this. So like, I don't know about you guys, but you know, if I'm meeting someone in public and they're like, Oh, and they like happen to find out I do audio books and they're like, Oh, you do the whole thing. Oh, you have to do Mm -hmm. every voice. Oh, what's the lady voice sound like? (laughs) <laughs> and then I just, I, I'm always like, no, I'm not going to do that. It feels yeah. like it kind of cheapens not only me, but like the, the very idea that I was, I was doing some sort of imitation. You know? Right. Right. So, right. so, um, so that, that sounds, I, it, it's great to hear that you guys have such a good working relationship. And more than that, it's great to hear that, uh, aside from a couple of really, you know, minor things, you've had really good experiences with pretty much everybody that you've worked with doing the same type of thing. Yeah, I think because people people want to keep getting hired. So people <laughs> generally, and and people seem, most people that are working a lot really believe in the work and, and want to do good work. So what what would make them difficult? You know. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Do you do you both uh, mostly work through either Audible <clears throat> or you know other large audiobook publishers? Do you do any indie stuff at all anymore? Do you do anything off of ACX, or is it really just through the publishers that you've gotten um, gotten good relationships with? Um, I do. Go ahead, oh, Zach. Sorry, go ahead. No, no you go. I was just going to say my answer is brief. It's all over the place. I'd say I predominantly <clears throat> work with uh, independent. Authors mostly, oh. um, but it's but that being produced <clears throat> by, you know, uh, sort of an indie company. So like Andy Arndt, her her uh, her company Lyric, sure, yeah, probably employed by them as much as an Audible or you know Brilliance or whatever. Yeah, I'm similar. Um, I work with a lot of different publishers and a lot with Audible. I haven't. I have never done a project on ACX just myself. I've worked with plenty of smaller companies that use it as a platform, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't go there to look for work myself um, for no other reason than um, I just don't. <laughs> but, well, yeah, <laughs> it's, since you got established before, I mean, since you started narrating even before ACX was a thing, uh, I think that that's, uh, that's certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I work so much with independent authors, um, and I'll produce it myself sometimes, and I'll send them the files, and then they take it to ACX. So a lot of stuff goes through that Got system. It. Got it. Yeah. I tried to use ACX early on, and I, I, I don't know, maybe I was just too young and maybe just not proactive enough, but it was just mm-hmm. like, 
it was just really tough. And it was also hard to get initially, you know, the right work that would like make it so I could pay my rent because there's yeah. you know, the option to do the royalty share thing. And it's kind of like, I can't even hire an engineer because nobody's willing to do that for me. So it was like yeah. it was sort of a, a rut um, initially, but I fortunate enough to now not have to produce anything. So I just don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, ACX is, is kind of a tough gig. I know that there are people who excel at it. Uh, I have not, I have not excelled at it though. I do feel very comfortable on the platform. Um, Mm. but, uh, it, it really does take a lot of upfront work to make sure that you're, if you're pursuing a lot of work there to make sure that you're pursuing the right work. Um, so, so it is, it, it can be tough. Um, what about other voiceover work? Do you guys do anything other than, uh, audiobooks? I know that Zach, you're, um, you're also a film actor, right? Yeah. 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 So I haven't done any other voiceover stuff. Really? Um, So, so it's all been either on camera or audiobook voiceover. Pretty much. Most of of what I acted in has been, you know, indie films. Um, I haven't really, I've been sort of relying on audiobooks Mm -hmm. for a while. I haven't even reached into like, you know, TV and stuff. I'm thinking about getting back into it pretty soon here, but I've, but yeah, I've, you know, it's mostly been sort of the the work I've done in film has mostly been with, you know, with friends and, you know, collaborations like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but yeah, I've never, Mm -hmm. I've never really, branched out into other voiceover stuff. What about you, Erin? I used to do a lot of commercials, TV commercials. Um, um, and I still have, I, I still have three um, campaigns that I'm part of that uh, come back to me sometimes and I re-record. So I'm sometimes a, a voice of EpiPen, a voice of Roomba, and um, an American <laughs> Express thing from time to time. Um, uh-huh. That's cool. So, That's awesome. And I love that. It's such a different animal than, than audiobooks. Oh, um, yeah. You know, you, do you do it, Rich? Do you I, I've do done, I've done some commercial. I did some uh, local commercial stuff. I've never done a national, but I've, I did some local commercial stuff back in the Bay Area. And uh, it is completely different from audiobooks. Yeah, <laughs> and I like it. Like every once in a while, popping in there because it's it almost becomes kind of a musical thing. Because if you have, if it's a thirty second spot, then they're going to do it all these different ways. And can you land it this way? Can you do this one up? Can you you know punch this la-? like it becomes this little puzzle, mm-hmm. this like audio puzzle that's so different than ten hours of telling this long tale. Yep. You know. Um, so I don't actively pursue them now because I'm focused on audiobooks, but when they pop up, I, I find them to be a lot of fun. That's cool. Do you have an agent in uh, New York? Um, I, I, um, I parted ways with them because I didn't want to go to the auditions anymore. Mm, because yeah. when, <laughs> Once I, I moved a half hour out of the city and had two little babies and I was, had enough audiobook stuff to keep me busy. The idea of going into the city, getting a babysitter, auditioning, maybe not getting it, coming back. I was like, I could have just worked three hours at home, um, na- with narration and it would have been better. So, I totally hear that. Even without the kids, back when I lived in the Bay Area, I lived in the South Bay, and my agent was in San Francisco. And before I had a home studio, actually, I think it was before they were really accepting home studio auditions. Hmm. Dating myself a little there, but um, but uh, I would I would have to drive up into San Francisco, which was an hour drive, unless traffic was bad, and then it was longer. And you sit there and you wait, and then you do your three minutes in their booth, and then you never hear anything. And so it was like yeah. an entire afternoon. Um, so I I totally hear that, and it was well worth it. I I don't regret 
you know, any of those experiences, but, mm-hmm. uh, oh man, it's, it's, it can be difficult, especially with kids. Well, and I, that, I think as you, as you get older and you've been in the business a little longer, you have, ideally you start to have the luxury of picking and choosing what you do and you get to see where you get more feedback, both in terms of what you seem to be good at that people are responding to artistically Mm -hmm. and also where the financial um, benefits are coming. Um, So when I was a super young actor, I I was doing everything. I'd audition for print campaigns, for films, for TV, for theater, voiceover, um, because I didn't know where my place was yet. Um, And then you start to figure it out, but you have to allow yourself that in the beginning, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And uh, the, and the money plays a big part. I know somebody who uh, was really surprised when they went through at the end of the year and checked where their revenue was coming from in all their different voiceover things and found out that the majority of it was audiobooks. They really, they didn't mm-hmm. think that was the case just, you know, going along through the year. Oh, I did this. I did this e-learning. I did this commercial. And oh, then I did these audiobooks. And when they actually figured it out at the end of the year, they were surprised. And so they said, I got to look at this seriously and say, yeah. maybe, maybe this is the direction I need to go because this is what's working. So uh, I think that that's always wise to take stock, you know, see what's working mm-hmm. and what's not. Yeah. Well, so Aaron, you sound like, as, as Zach said earlier, when do you sleep? It, um, I'm, I, <laughs> I kind of like to know what you do when you're not narrating, but uh, I'm not sure that you have any time. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a playwright. Um, oh, no I... kidding. Yeah, so I used to be on stage all the time, and then I wrote my first play, my first full-length play in 2014, and when that got produced, I was like, oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I never I never thought I'd be as happy sitting in an audience watching other actors perform something I wrote than I felt on stage, but it was the same, and then it kind of surpassed it. Um, wow, that's so. great. Yeah, so um, I would say audiobooks and and playwriting they're they're my equal paths. Um, working them both simultaneously. So. Very cool. I um, there's actually a theater company here in Tucson that I did one play with uh, when I was still uh, kind of halfway trying to focus on stage, um, and uh, they actually specialize in women's uh, women's plays either primarily about women or written by women. So uh, I'll I'll, I'll have to get you in touch with them. Uh, I I think they're great. It's a a great company. Uh, I've only seen, I don't know, a half dozen of the things that they've put on, maybe even less, but I love them. They're they're great. It's one of those organizations that you really, you know, you you like supporting. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Zach? What do you do do when you're not uh, narrating audiobooks and uh, and traveling to uh, narrator or romance conventions? Uh, I just sit around, drink coconut water, (laughs) and and think about the stars. Um, I uh, I in the last year I recently teamed up with a couple friends and started making uh, an album, a, a music album. Um, and so I have a band and, oh, no uh, kidding. What do you play? Uh, well, I, I play, I play the violin, uh, but it's not, that's not an indicator of what we make. It's sort of electronic flash, funky, synthy pop music. Um, and, uh, but I, you know, it's got, it's, it's weird cause I'll like write a country song and then we make it into this like big electronic 
palate. Um, but it sounds it's, very uh, interesting, man. It, I'm really, it, I don't think I've ever been so creatively fulfilled in my whole life. Much like you, uh, playwriting. I've mm. never been so like, uh, I just, it feels so great. And we're, we're in the sort of final stages of finishing the album and we're going to start playing shows pretty soon. Um, and they're two of my like really good friends. One of which is my friend from like, we did a summer program in New York together when we were teenagers. So we're like long time personal, almost collaborators. And now this is what we're really doing together. Um, so it's, that's, that's how that's occupied almost all my time in the last year. And it's what I'm really actually trying to go for. Cause I always wanted to make music, but I never thought to, uh, record it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Awesome. So, so what about the violin? Uh, I mean, that's something that you learned how to play when you were young and you're not currently using it. Yeah, I, I I played. That was that was my first like foray into any kind of performance, um, and uh, I was pretty good when I first started. But then I sort of fell off like the bandwagon of being an orchestra kid, and then like just through the process of like people being complete and utter virtuosos when they were fourteen years old, and being like, I can't do this like them, and then also having bad teachers uh, because uh, Texas. <laughs> I, um, I I gave it up and then started doing theater. So I I did it for but I did it for about six, about six years and you know over over time since then people have been like come on play it I'll play it and I'm like I promise you I'm not that good <laughs> and uh -huh. then uh, but recently I've I've really started <laughs> thinking about it that way and I think I'm getting better again but I also you know but for, for the nature of the music we're making I just. Uh, you know, I, it's, all you really need is just like little sort of sound bites um, that you know can also be transferred to live performance. But yeah, but yeah, so it's weird. It's like all these things culminating, all this stuff that I didn't know I wanted to do as uh, that I didn't know I wanted to use professionally is all sort of coming together. I didn't know I was really a songwriter, but now I'm just doing it. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. That's great. It sounds like you're both doing uh, creative stuff that is is fulfilling. So so that's fantastic. Um, well, so Aaron, what words of wisdom would you have for uh, aspiring female narrators out there who either want to get into romance or are uh, are just uh, dipping their toes in the water? Oh well, one thing I would recommend is finding ways that you can support the authors that you already work with, um, because so often these authors and most of them in in romance are female they're they're building these careers and these i call them empires because they're they're generating they're creating their own life they're they're creating their own work they're producing it they're sending it out they're casting themselves um and they have tons of readers groups and tons of people that follow them and if you can find a way to support their work not only through giving the best performance you can, but helping them with booth videos, audio clips, um, posting for them, being part of their readers groups, interacting with their fans. Um, I think they really appreciate that. And more and more, I think romance is, like Zach said, he works independently with a lot of authors. Um, they're talking to their friends, to their author friends, and they're recommending narrators left and right. Mm -hmm. So that would be my recommendation. Cool. Zach, what about you? I first want to agree with that wholeheartedly because that's not something I totally understood, even though my own mother is an, is an author. 
Um, but like, I, I did sort of get it for that reason. But like, this is like, like if you're an actor, like this isn't maybe everything you're going to be doing, but at least at the very least, definitely focus on it and don't downplay, you know, your potential within any given industry, because you don't, like we've also been talking about before, you, you don't know where it's going to go and where it's going to take you. Um, mm-hmm. So like sort of, I would say sort of jump in head first. That's the thing I didn't do. I was like sticking my toes and being like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of scary. Like, <laughs> you know, because it's like, you're, like the, the issues discussed in these books are often very, very intense and like, you know, it can feel like very intimidating, but you're providing a service for people that really like that really, really adore it. And it, and it, you know, it, it's, um, it's sort of supplements their life in a big way. So yeah, yeah I would say just like, just jump in. <laughs> Romance and fans get, are just so excited. Yeah. And get yeah. involved in those forums and oral fixation is one of the best. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, it really changed things for, because I don't read reviews. I, I really didn't know, if I was like creating in a literal box and then like sending things out into the void, I didn't know if people were listening or cared. And then, um, then these groups started popping up and you have interactions with people. And sometimes it's fun. I'll be in the booth, I'll be working on something and I'll picture a particular listener and I'll be mm-hmm. kind of working for them. And yeah, it's you, awesome. Yeah. And you don't feel alone. You feel like you're communicating and it's, it becomes even more fun. Very cool. Um, so, Aaron, you mentioned that it's most of what you do and that you love romance. Do, do you narrate mm-hmm. anything else? Um, it's, I would say, probably about 75 to 80% is, is romance, but occasionally um, a young adult thing will come my way. Mm. Um, anthologies, um, some multicast things that aren't romance. Um, like next week, I'm doing something at. Um, Audible and multicast. I, I'm not allowed to talk about it. That always sounds so hoity-toity, <laughs> doesn't it? But it's um, more in like a contemporary, like not quite sci-fi. But so I get to do other things. But um, romance really is a, a sweet spot, and it's um, my favorite place to be. Is romantic comedy? A really well-written romantic comedy is my favorite. Cool, Zach. What about you? Uh, I, similar. I, I I think I do more romance than than Aaron, but when I get those like anything YA or sci-fi or you know anything like that, then I I'm always pretty excited just because it's you know a different, just a little a little different uh, path you know. But um, yeah, but I still I still love doing romance. It's just it's like the, you know a lot of some authors are really serious and some authors are really campy. So even within romance, you get such a broad spectrum. Yeah. Of, of style so it's like it's never I'm always on my toes so. yeah mm-hmm. no that's good I, I get that wanting to do other stuff too I, I feel the same way I'm, I'm really glad that I got into romance this year I've met a great author and uh, worked with some great other narrators and so it's it's really been good but I really do like doing a lot of different things so um, I, I definitely don't want to only do that but uh, it is really cool to hear that that you both enjoy it so much that it's most of what you do yeah. So one yeah. final question for you, Zach. Have you ever narrated one of your mom's books? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And she's so good. She's she's one of those uh, romance authors who, like, writes deep, intense, issue-based dramas that are romantic. Um, yeah. 
like she's like previously because she was writing sort of before the blend of romance and erotica came about. So she like you know there's there's like some sexual stuff in it, but really it's like like her her big breakout novel Evie was which I did not narrate, but I did do the sequel um, was about uh, rape on college campuses and like how you survive and then how you can you know fall in love with someone. Uh, in the you know in the semesters that follow and it's like it's really uh, interesting so I'm you know I always thought her stuff was really cool and she was like excited for me to narrate it and I was like is that weird and then like no so you know that's but, yeah, that's I've great it. I, yeah and what name does she write under Tamara Weber that's her actual name I'll I'll definitely look uh, look her up that's, that sounds great that what you just described sounds like an incredibly intense book. Yeah, but it's, you know, and it's also still got its moments of fun, but it's like, yeah, but it's like, it's a real, real drama. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, and definitely, uh, still relevant today, Barry. 100%. Yep. Well, that's great. Thank you guys so much both for, uh, for coming in and, and talking about your work together and, uh, your work with other people. I, uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, where, thank you, Rick. Absolutely. That's so much fun. Where can people find you if they want to look you up online? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's real simple, at Erin Mallon. And then um, I'm a bit more active on my Facebook, what do they call it, fan page, mm-hmm. public page. Um, and that's uh, at, we can just search Erin Mallon, comma, narrator. You'll find it. Cool. Zach, how about you? Uh, I just, uh, I, on Facebook, you can just type my name, Zachary Weber, and I have a, I have a public profile, uh, and then Twitter, I think it's at Zachary Weber. And then I changed my Instagram to Weber-esque, like W-E-B-B-E-R-E-S-Q-U-E. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You've got, you've got the two B's in that Weber. Yeah. Weber. Two B's. All right. Well, that's great. I will uh, definitely include that in, in the show notes so that people can uh, can reach out if they want to. But again, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to come in. I hope the uh, the nineteen crimes was uh, was good this time as as it was uh, before, since it sounds like you've had it before. It's delish. I'm towards the bottom of the glass now. Oh, I thought, you, I thought you were going to say the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> the bottle, no, yeah. the glass. Keeping it real. Yeah. And Zach, yeah. I, I hope that coconut water does you well for the night. Yeah, I'm going to go to the gym and I'll have the rest after. It'll be a nice night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Rich. Bye, Aaron. Bye. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Aaron Mallon and Zachary Weber for coming in together. I was really happy to hear about their narration experiences, both separately and together, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to check out the sponsor for tonight's episode, Squeaky Cheese Productions. They're on the cutting wedge. They're on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com, and I'm very grateful for their support of the audiobook speakeasy. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, 
Or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Quick shout out this week to Mike Carnes for adding to the tip jar. I really appreciate the support, Mike, and I hope you keep enjoying our chats here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! (laughs) 